What's up, BYU Radio friends? Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan here on the latest BYU Sports Nation. How will the result of Friday night's game for BYU football change your perception of the Cougars moving forward? And where does BYU have advantages over Cincinnati? On the next episode, we'll break down the Big 12 home opener with ESPN's Aaron Murray. Listen on demand, Google BYU Sports Nation podcast, or tune in live at noon Eastern for BYUSN here on BYU Radio, baby. Next on BYUSN, we're just one day away from BYU football's Big 12 home opener against Cincinnati. Where do the Cougars have advantages over the Bearcats? How would a win and a loss on Friday night change your perception of BYU football on the season? Plus, Riley Nelson discusses Keaton Slovis and what he'll need to do Friday to beat Cincinnati. And women's volleyball plays a big one tonight at Texas in a top 10 showdown in Austin. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Thursday, September 28th. I am Jerem Jordan. Big day for Cougar sports. We got women's soccer on campus taking on Cincinnati. We've got women's volleyball on the road in a top 10 showdown at Texas. It is going to be a fun one. I am joined alongside Spencer Linton, who is a guy who likes to prepare for the show in complete silence like Penn State did for <laughs> Northwestern. This is unbelievable what James Franklin has done. It's in the details for him, right? And he is no joke preparing to play a football game with as quiet a crowd as possible because Northwestern can't draw fans. 17K per, uh, per game, and they are creating their own energy, which is they are not blasting sound uh, during practice. Now, BYU doesn't do this every week, but when they played uh, at Arkansas that week, they were preparing for that. There will be games where that is the case. This is a home game this week. BYU should be bringing the noise against Cincinnati, certainly, but pretty funny stuff for Northwestern, who obviously, uh, you know, Fired the coach, Pat Narduzzi, and um, no, no, not Narduzzi, uh, Fitzgerald. Pat Fitzgerald. Uh, and uh, Narduzzi was a uh, pit. But yeah, <laughs> listen, we'll address this a little later. The quietest college football crowd <laughs> we've ever seen. I'm wondering if yours is the same as mine. We, we've been in some unique environments, that is for sure. Yeah, you more than me for sure. My goodness. Hey, loaded show today, and we are stoked for a sold-out crowd, no yeah. doubt about it, yeah. on Friday night for BYU football. All rise and shout. Let's get to what's trending. This is an opportunity for BYU to get to 4-1 and one through the first five games. And gosh dang it, we all would have taken it if you had asked any fan at the beginning of the season. But the question is, as a two-point home underdog now and a struggling run game to say the least, Jerem, where does BYU have advantages over Cincinnati so they can get to four wins in the first five games? There are a bunch of areas. Let's talk about it. Red zone, to me, is the number one advantage BYU has. When the Cougars get to the red zone, they are tremendous. In fact, they've been perfect. They've scored on all 15 trips. 12 of those 15 trips have been touchdowns. 80% is 13th in the country. Cincinnati's allowing 93% scoring there. So they're allowing teams, when they get in, to score. Can you put up sixes and sevens instead of threes? BYU has done that so far. Another one, momentum. Uh, both coming off a loss, but Cincinnati may be a bit more shaken than BYU in that two weeks ago they lost a rivalry game to a team they should have beat in Miami of Ohio. Uh, did well defensively to hold Oklahoma to 20, but ultimately only scored six, so two-game losing streak there. 
93 points scored the first two games. It helps to play Eastern Kentucky and score 66. When I can't name your um, mascot, that doesn't mean that you should win that game by like 50. Sure, um, sure. I can't name the Eastern Kentucky mascot. If anyone can, let me know. Uh, and then uh, 30 points the last two weeks. Another one, third down defense. BYU's really good on third down defense right now. 31% allowed, 22nd in the country. How about average starting field position, which is yes. perhaps Gregor Bell's favorite stat. Special so, teams. So I asked him uh, this morning just to make sure I had the number. Plus 4.6 this season, which it, you, you think about, 4.6 yards does not feel like a big deal. It is a big deal. When BYU wins average starting field position under Kalani Stocky, 49-9. That's amazing. That's, a, that's weird, right? That hey, well, You get shorter thing. fields and uh, you win. And then the last thing uh, that sticks out, methodical drives. That is 10-plus play drives. BYU is only allowing 6% of those. The national average is 14%. So BYU is doing a good job of, uh, I guess if the team scores, it's under 10, but not allowing a lot of 10-play drives where they're just nickel and diming you down the field. Um, so I, I do think BYU has certain advantages in certain spots. Another one is in the pass game. I think BYU's passing offense right yes. now is really good. Keaton Slovis runs a complicated offense, and we have not thought twice about his ability and execution in doing that. Uh, obviously, you know, the, the fourth down interception the other day was disappointing, but you were going to turn it over anyway, and I don't know that that many yards were even gained, so it didn't even matter. The, the Isaac Rex interception is not on Keaton Slovis. It's not even on Isaac Rex, per se. And then, um, you know, the Parker Kingston situation, that's, uh, that's a big fumble. What has Keaton Slovis not done this year that we've needed him to do? He's, he's basically done everything we could have hoped for and more. Yeah, outside of maybe some nerves or a little bit of inaccuracy in the opening game against Sam Houston State, which is understandable. It's your first game out there with a bunch of new guys. He's been really, really solid. Yeah. Like, I'd say he yeah. was awesome last week against Kansas outside of the interception thrown when he was trying to force something to Isaac Rex and a miscommunication on the fourth down breakdown. I mean, he's More was dropping dimes maybe, into the breadbasket yeah. consistently against Kansas. Yeah. So Keaton Slovis, to your point, has been great. Now, you've chronicled all of the obvious statistical advantages and areas where BYU has an advantage, per se, over Cincinnati. I'm going to give you one specific thing that I expect to happen that I believe BYU can exploit Cincinnati's defense with. And it's a good Cincinnati defense. So while they are very aggressive, the Bearcats up front, and, and they're amazing, and they're going to get after Keaton Slovis, they play a little soft on the edges. This is a perfect scenario for the BYU screen game to take advantage. If you get upfield in a hurry with your front seven and you are coming after the quarterback, which they will, and your defensive backs oh, screen play, -roll. play Nicely a done. little soft. Nicely done. This is where Aaron Roderick is such a mastermind of knowing when and the specific situation to call a screen pass. And there are several different types of screens that BYU has in the playbook. In fact, Keaton Slovis showing said... showing all of them. Right? Yes. Keaton Slovis said in BYU football training camp, we are going to throw a lot of screens and we have so many options to do so. And you just saw, I mean, it can be any one of that arsenal. Parker Kingston, Darius Lassiter, Keelan Marion, L.J. Martin. Deion Smith is really good at it. Yes, too. they yeah. utilize all of them. This is, I don't know how Cincinnati prepares for this because everybody knows it's going to eventually show up from BYU, but it has been one of the most effective play calls for the Cougars offense all year in, in terms of explosive plays and touchdown scoring plays. And it's a simple throw, which is nice. Cincinnati's defense is set up 
to have some issues with this. So unless they decide to go full aggressive and bring their defensive backs way up to match that aggression from the front seven, well, now you leave yourself prone yeah. to getting beat over the top, and Keaton Slovis is going deep to Chase Roberts and Keelan Marion. Pick, pick your poison there with BYU. So I feel yeah. like the screen game with that aggressive front from Cincinnati is absolutely a place where BYU can flex an advantage against the Bearcats. The second one you kind of touched on, you talked about starting field position. A huge part of that is Ryan Rico. Cincinnati doesn't have Ryan Rico. They have and a better fact, field goal kicker than BYU, but they don't have They a don't have Ryan Rico, yeah. which greatly impacts average starting field position. Like, this can be weaponized for BYU. And so I expect the BYU special teams, and Ryan had, you know, a shank pun in Kansas, but for the most part, Jeremy, he's been lights, he's been lights <laughs> out, right? Hey, no one gives you punting B-roll like BYU TV. This is an advantage that BYU has clearly over Cincinnati is they've got what I believe is eventually going to be an All-American punter. And Ryan Rico. Like he's he just has some all Big enough. 12 punter at least. Yeah, barely punted last week. And then we, we've talked about it yeah. so much over, I mean, it feels like we talk about it last at least a little maybe. bit uh, uh, over, you know, in every show for the last, you know, two years. But BYU at night, how do you quantify it? 25 and 3. That's how you quantify it. Hey, what is it? I don't know. <laughs> what, what, is, what is this Lavelle Edwards Stadium nighttime magic? The night kooks, man. What, what is it? Guns a-blazing, fires burning, cougarettes dancing, Cosmos Clearly, crowd surfing. Like, That's how we roll, baby. BYU football has a team full of nighttime people, okay, that, I don't know, are you a night person? Um, are you a morning person? Both. I don't know. Um, Ralph Wiggum one time, they go to the zoo, and he, he, what does he see, the bats or something? He goes, hey, hey you're nocturnal. BYU is nocturnal, man. The nocturnal 25 cubes. and 3, 6 or later kickoff since 2019. 14 and 13 before. I don't know why that is, but I love it. Yes. I, and Listen, we need to throw out the fact that Cincinnati, in their last 16 night games, they have an identical 15 and 1 record just like BYU. Oh, also. But Nocturnal. they're not 25 and 3 like BYU is since 2019. Yeah. Uh, the Bearcats More have had some issues right. before this current trend of playing well at night. And what is Cincinnati at night under a new head coach? Scott Satterfield, to his credit, has done a really nice job because we, I mean, they were picked to finish, what, 12th, just behind BYU, and we thought, yeah, oh, bottom, man, transition year, like, they lost a lot of talent. What is Cincinnati going to be? They're better than I thought they were going to be, especially, especially in their defense and, like, not allowing a ton of points. You hold Oklahoma's offense to 20 points, you got that's, a great defense. That's tremendous. Okay? Yeah. So they've been a little bit better than I expected them to be overall, but I still have major question marks about their offense. And how are they going to handle Lavelle Edwards Stadium on a Friday night, on a short week, when they have to travel, when they've lost two games in a row? They're desperation mode right now. Cincinnati does not want to lose a third straight game because then things start to get super weird for you, right? Can we talk about geography for a second? <clears throat> I feel like in the United States we still hold to, like, 1790. Yes, that Ohio is in the Midwest. No, 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 Utah's in the Midwest, okay? They're coming two time zones. If you always at home, that's the biggest advantage. That's the biggest advantage. Let's stop saying that the Midwest is Ohio. <laughs> if Missouri's the edge, yes. Louisiana Purchase, people. Come on. Topic two. How would a win or a loss on Friday night change your perception of BYU football in the season? This is so ridiculous because it's just one game. It's just one game. Is it? But tell me that you don't feel entirely different. Yeah. Going into the bye week, if BYU is 4-1 and one, and picked up their first Big 12 win 
don't have a losing streak and are they have some momentum building as they rest and try and get healthy for a road trip to TCU. Compared to BYU's limping into the bye week after losing their first two Big 12 games, including their home opener in front of a sold-out crowd at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, and now they have to go to TCU and are in significant danger of losing a third consecutive game and to start 0-3 in the Big 12. Also a Ralph Wiggum quote, I'm in danger! It's, That's what BYU feel like. It's one game. It's one game. those two losses. But, like, inside I'm like, 3-2? and two? Given the circumstances yes. of what's on the line here, yes. feels like a totally different universe for BYU compared to if you beat Cincinnati and now you're four and one in the first five, and now everyone's like, oh, seven wins, maybe eight wins are possible. Whereas if BYU's three and two, it's like, are the Cougars really going to make a bowl game? That's that's the question that we're going to get. Are they going to make a bowl game? We would start to question. Yes, Af after Arkansas, we were like, I said, hey, bowl game's happening. That's check. That's happening. That's assuming that you beat Cincinnati at home. I've said there's no way BYU's losing this game. I, I think this is, a, you know, kind of a 50-50 proposition. It's more so than I thought uh, before, but I do think BYU comes out on top of this one. Um, yeah, yes, you've, you, we feel entirely different, and we would just be sky high. Four and one? What a start for BYU, despite no run game. And what if you figure that out? Then what are you capable of? Uh, in the final seven of the regular season and into a bowl game. Yes, BYU needs to get healthy. Like, can you get Ben Bywater back? It, there's, there's no real indication that Ben's going to play this week, right, let alone not play. Yeah. I'm assuming he's out until they tell us he's in. No Parker Kingston probably, right? There's some banged-up guys, and we'll find out more from you tomorrow, you know, on the field with Waylon Apuahu and whatnot on BYUSN game day. Three and two, very different than four and one because October's brutal. At TCU, Texas Tech at home, who has struggled, but still, every game's big. And then you're at Texas, who's the best team in the league, clearly, and competing yes. for a national championship, let alone the Big 12 title. Then you go to November, and it's like, hey, two and two would actually be decent. But it's like, you probably need a fourth win tomorrow night to ensure said bowl game because we don't know what October's going to look like. That could be 0 and 3. We're hoping it's at least 1 and 2, but there's a chance. Like, if you told me it was 2-1, and one, I'd be shocked right now, given the way BYU's not running the ball. So you need a fourth win tomorrow night. You're looking at the difference of the following two questions. One, if BYU wins, can the Cougars win eight games? And if BYU, if BYU loses tomorrow night, shoot, is BYU going to make a bowl game? Th that, that is where this hinges. It, it is a huge 60-minute contest there. <laughs> like, and because you're getting through one of the easier portions of – uh, conference play, Spence. At Kansas was kind of a 50-50. Cincinnati at home, that's a game you feel like you should win. Even though ESPN says BYU does not have the majority chance to win, and now BYU's an underdog. Yeah, well, keep playing that card against BYU and see what happens. Like, Let's go. I, I love that. I would rather be the dog. Our question BYU. of the day, how would a win or loss on Friday night change your perception of BYU football moving forward? We just told you how we feel about Huge it. Game. Now we want to hear from you. Brandon Reeves on Instagram says, come January, we will look back at this game and say this made or broke BYU season. I need a little more drama there. Oh, Jeez. Starting four and one with this schedule is much different yeah. than three and two. This game will determine if BYU goes bowling ah, or not. I don't know. I don't know. That's that's I, I think that we're a game away from that. Not yes. meaning the next game. I'm meaning there's going to be another game where it really hinges. But, but it's early, and uh, Brandon might be right. We may look Michael back and go, ah! Michael Christensen on X says, a win. BYU's on track for bowl eligibility and a solid first Big 12 season. A yeah. loss, 
we could be in trouble. It's important. It's really important. And you're at home. Like, take care. D defend Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Yes. Come on. Our boy Greg Welch. Win tomorrow, I'm making bowl game plans. Yep. Lose tomorrow, it's going to be a squeaker to get to six wins. You're not wrong. Like, t <laughs> no, tomorrow is big. And uh, Let's go. Make sure you tune in for the pregame show at 8 Eastern time on BYU Sports Nation. Game day on BYU TV. We got all the angles covered. Expanded coverage, of course, two hours on BYU TV. It's going to be awesome, man. Up next, former BYU quarterback Riley Nelson joins us to discuss what Keaton Slovis needs to do specifically to help BYU beat Cincinnati and get that fourth win. This is BYU Sports Nation. He shows no fear. Watch the deep ball. He's got a man open. Touchdown. Nelson flushed out the pocket again. The helmetless block. I wanted just, to see the throw on that. Just makes me want to stand up and Matt shout. That's illegal now. That was like the last year of that. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was an awesome That's play in 2011. That's a teammate, man. That's, uh, yes, the Reynolds on. boys, when I see them, I just get pumped up. Yes. I don't have O-lineman yeah. instincts, but when I see them, I, like, feel things. Yes. Like, just want to shove people. Like like that. <laughs> like that. that just like he awesome, did to that man. defender without a helmet on. We're live yeah. in Studio B, your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan, the man that Matt Reynolds was blocking for, Riley Nelson. Protect this man. Former BYU quarterback is now joining us to look ahead to what we believe, Riley is just an unbelievably important game as BYU prepares to go into a bye week and they look for their first Big 12 win. So let's start with this. How would a win versus a loss on Friday night impact the trajectory of this season? Because it feels huge to us. Yeah, uh, I do kind of agree with the point that it's an inflection point, mostly because it's a game that BYU feels they should win. And everybody was feeling confident last week that after having knocked off Arkansas on the road, confident that you could go into Lawrence. And I, I think anybody that was paying attention knew that Kansas is not the Kansas fold, right? It's not the Charlie Wise Kansas. It's not the football doormat that only cares about basketball. They knew they were a good squad. But again, if you can beat uh, Arkansas on the road, you can surely go into Lawrence and, and do that. And uh, so to come away – uh, playing how they played where two things one continual frustrations in the run game I know you guys have, have covered that in a lot of ways but then also giving a, allowing their defense to score 14 points which I mean was the margin of defeat was less than 14 points right so in an essence feeling like you gave the gave the game away it has people questioning this a Cincinnati team that's struggling coming into Lavelle Edwards Stadium on a short week where you probably would have chalked this off as a confident, you know, Cougs are going to get the win. Now people are iffy. So to me, at least from a morale standpoint, look, the reality is each game is its own uh, entity, right? So you take it game by game, week by week, game plan by game plan. But it's from a morale standpoint, from an emotion standpoint, this tomorrow night is definitely an inflection point for the season. I was saying during the summer, there's no way BYU loses this game. Certainly the percentage of confidence I have in that has waned a bit given what BYU's not been able to do in the run game and whatnot, but I still think BYU wins the game. So where do you feel like BYU has advantages against Cincinnati? I feel that defense, their defense versus their offense. I feel like the defense has been incredibly stout. They've been incredibly physical. I've uh, of course, we all had hopes that Jay Hill and Coach Papinga and Sione Pua and all these guys were going to 
we're going to do this, but it, it's proved. Has it been perfect? No, but do these guys, you know, have they recruited uh, t- recruits tailors tailor built for their schemes? Not yet either. They kind of took the existing and granted there. We know there was a lot of turnover, 50 plus kids, you know, new to the roster, but still it's a lot of the same. It's a lot of the same names uh, that we're seeing make plays. And of course, players make plays no matter what scheme they're in, but there's been an attitude shift. So I think there's, there's an advantage there. And then I also think there's an advantage night games at home, night games in general, but night games at home, uh, BYU is incredibly tough. And I hate to, I normally try and pick something a little bit more detailed and schematic that actually has to do with the play on the game. But um, the way that I do not believe, and I know you guys have discussed this on your show and you were just discussing it in the previous segment. Like, I don't believe that you can abandon the run game. I don't believe that just giving up and your strategy being to throw the ball 40 or 50 times is a, is a positive path forward. So while the offense is still trying to figure itself out, its identity and trying to establish some semblance of a rushing attack, I do think that you have to rely on things like a Rock and Lavelle Edwards night game uh, to give you an advantage in a contest. Riley Nelson is on BYU Sports Nation. Let's say BYU can't establish the run game, and it, it just kind of holds steady as to what it's been through the first four games. They're rushing for, you know, around two to two and a half yards per carry. Maybe they put up 50 or 60 yards for the night. Not good numbers. Ugh. How in the world does BYU still beat Cincinnati if that is the case, and it could be against one of the best defensive fronts that BYU is going to see all season? Uh, so... I know we don't like to mention our neighbors to the north on this program, but it, for anybody that watched that, and granted, it was at the same time, right? But I was, I was switching back and forth. I mean, it's a future conference opponent. I had to do my scouting. There you right? go. <laughs> <laughs> but but Utah had some similar struggles. They couldn't get the offense going, um, or the rush game or the pass game. And granted, they had a freshman QB and all that. But what was the difference in that game? It was fourteen seven. But the Utah defense had scored a defensive touchdown and you look at the you look at the Kansas game right it was unfortunately it was two defensive touchdowns that BYU gave up but ultimately you take away those two defensive touchdowns um, and you know BYU has the advantage of that game of course you can, nothing boils down to one play but from a strictly point standpoint I think that might be the blueprint is that if I'm a defensive leader on this team or even a coach I'm saying guys it's time for us. We all right. We've we've hardened things up. We're playing more physical. We're playing more assertive, downhill, aggressive. Now it's time for us to start impacting the scoreboard. Let's start putting some points up on the board um, by taking the ball away and and having a party in the end zone. And uh, so I think that would have to form part of the equation. The other part of the equation is. Um, I would put the onus on the offensive staff to, all right, if the run scheme is not working, what are pass plays that can act like runs? Um, it's hasn't, it's not traditionally part of uh, Aaron Roderick's uh, deal, but we haven't seen as, I, I feel like we haven't seen as many fly sweeps. Now, maybe we don't have as many fly sweep runners, but getting the fly sweeps involved, whether it's bubbles, whether it's now screens, getting the balls out to your wide receivers in, in space to where it's, you're not putting Keaton Slovis in a position where he feels like he has to be a hero putting the ball down the field. In my opinion, that for sure led to the second interception that he had against Kansas. But I also feel like it's an overall pressure that he feels that he has to bear to constantly push the ball down the field. Well, if handing the ball off's not getting us uh, some easy yards and setting them up in some second and third manageables, we have to change our game plan, a little bit of our identity. And I think the offensive, uh, I think Roderick and staff can do that 
through the screen game, maybe a little bit more emphasis uh, on a fly sweep, but taking some pressure off Slovis, even if he's still throwing it, they're high completion, no risk of turnover, and uh, lessen the sense that he has that he has to win it all by himself. No Parker Kingston, likely. Doesn't help the fly sweep game. Maybe it's Keelan Marion. We, we shall see. Regarding Keaton Slovis, how would you assess how he's played so far? And if the BYU run game struggles, like Spencer uh, mentioned, and, and we're hoping it doesn't, but if it does, can Keaton Slovis throw BYU to a win over Cincinnati? It's just going to be extremely tough because even as great as Zach and Jaron have been in the system, they were at their best, at least as far as chunk plays. Like, if I, one thing that I would like to see out of this offense is, is more chunk plays, but historically and under coach Roddick chunk plays come off the play action and the play action only works when the defense, when the defense feels threatened by your run game. So the fact that he, uh, I'm not going to harp on the run game, but I'll talk about a a byproduct of that, which is the fact that he hasn't had his full complement of play action passes to be able to generate shots down the field. And he's kind of been, uh, you know, contained into um, a set of plays that a defense feels a lot more comfortable preparing for I feel like uh you know he he has a passing grade for sure um Jaron Hall was one of the best quarterbacks at keeping his composure not turning the ball over you I I felt myself being frustrated with Slovis's turnovers but realizing that that's if you look at him in a vacuum as far as quarterbacks go he's still he still takes care of the football very well just not as good as Jaron Hall but Jaron Hall was literally one of the best to ever do it as far as um, you know, keeping his composure and protecting the football and do that. But I'm rambling a little bit here. I, I think he's done well. Football is the ultimate team game. We all tend to focus on the quarterback. When things are going bad, we all tend to look to the quarterback to solve our problems. You know, when things are going good, we tend to give all the credit to the quarterback. But it is the ultimate team game, all three phases. And then within each phase, you know, the 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 skill guys are dependent upon the linemen. The linemen are dependent upon the skill to do their job. So uh, one, you know, one man can cannot win it all. And I, I think we should hesitate from putting it all on Keaton Slovis's uh, shoulders and in, in trying to do that. That's a weighty opinion. And from a quarterback, no less, Riley Nelson, bringing it on BYU Sports Nation. Okay, let's put you, and I know that you, you don't, like you said, you don't want to harp on the run game. And, and that's certainly not the purpose of this, but... You, from where you watch this BYU run game and the running backs working with the offensive line and just the whole scheme of the offense, if you were in control, how would you jumpstart the run game at this point of the season? Because you can't overhaul it. It's, it's been, they've had this in since, you know, the spring. Like, they, they have yeah. had this implemented for months now, so you can't just – a fan's like, well, just do something different. Run the I formation. It's not that simple. How would you jumpstart what BYU has been trying to do and setting up since last April? They are an extremely difficult position because you have to try things new. And anytime you try something new, especially in a game scenario, you have to give it more than four or five or six cracks at it, right? But if you give four or five or six cracks and you get three yards in those six carries, I mean, even the most loyal of Cougar fans, on Friday, you don't want the Boo Birds to come out on Friday. I just talked about how important it is for that crowd to make a difference in this game on Friday night. Like, you cannot, as an offensive coordinator, lose the crowd by continuing to, to give uh, an effort to the run. But here's what I'd say, and I haven't been able to watch the, you know, the All-22 or see the lineman view from the end zone, right, to, to see the old film that we used to see. But I get the sense that 
for whatever reason, these backs in this offensive line are not executing that wide zone that was a staple um, of previous BYU, previous recent BYU offenses. So you look for other schemes that are still in the playbook, you know, whether it's a power scheme, whether it's an ISO scheme, more man blocking as opposed to zone and see if, if that can do that. The thing you like about man, man blocking schemes as opposed to zone, it requires less coordination and a little bit less um, athleticism. It takes some of the pressure off the linemen in that they have a man assignment in a zone you have an idea pre-snap, but like once the ball snap, that can all change. And that's when you really have to rely on your combo blocks and you have to really be reactive. Lyman, basically, they give you the front pre-snap. Everybody gets their targets and then you have your guy, go get your guy. So it can simplify a lot of those things. But that you mentioned not overhauling. BYU has been a predominantly wide zone run team, but they still run power and they've still run ISO. So what I would try perhaps is more ISO and power schemes into the run game to simplify it for your offensive line it allow once it, their assignment's simpler it allows them to focus more on being more aggressive playing on the other side of the ball and it also can clean up some reads because the running back isn't reading as much in a zone scheme you could go anywhere from you know going outside the tackle all the way to the backside a gap in man schemes it is designed to hit a b or c and uh so uh and, and if you play it with the right attitude it's no more simple to defend for a defensive front. So th there's my, you weren't asking for the, the full master's level. Oh, oh, I wanted it. I wanted it, Riley. I love it. I wanted it. I love it. That was great. Okay. I quickly looked up play action versus no play action for BYU the last couple of years. 2020 play action versus no play action plus 2.6 yards per play for Zach in 2020, 21, 1 1.4 Jaron Hall uh, also in 22, 2.6 this year. It is negative 2.3. BYU is better in no play action than play action. Your point is validated by that number. BYU needs more play action. Okay, I want to ask you about this. The night thing with BYU. <laughs> 25 and 3 when kicking 6 p.m. or later, 14 and 13 before 6 p.m. What is that? What should we make of that? Uh, so obviously everybody talks about, you know, how old they are and how these guys all have, in my opinion, they're <laughs> BYU because they, because they have those kids. Cause they are married. They're used to those late nights. The baby's crying. You got to go get the formula. You got to mix it all up. <laughs> so they are, they're comfortable also guys. Um, so I, I gotta tell you a funny story. I was yesterday we were, and I know we're getting to the end of the segment, but, um, I try and intermix cartoons with like, I love wildlife show and they have this one on national geographic called up close and they did one on cougars. So of course I rallied all my boys and my little daughter around. And I was like, watch the cougar. And it was down in Patagonia. So this cougar was stalking and hunting a llama and it took him like four times. And I literally told my five-year-old son, I was like, this is what BYU has to do in the run game. See how the cougar, he didn't get the llama the first try, but he kept trying. He eventually got it. That's what they have to do. But the reason why I say that is the cougars were hunting at night, man. We are BYU yeah. cougars, and they are nocturnal hunters. That's uh, that's about all I got for you. Is why we're so much better as night as opposed to the day. Let's go! I, yes, cougars hunt at night. Cougars Let's hunt go. at night. Nocturnal baby. cougars. I know it's it's impossible to explain it, but it is what it is. It's a crazy stat. Oh. It's crazy. 
Riley, great to talk to you, and we appreciate the master's class and the thesis on great. the run game. That was Tremendous. incredible. Tremendous. Great stuff, man. Thanks for having me on, fellas. Always a pleasure. Hope you're well, and hope you're enjoying some additional family time. I know that's important to you, so we're, we're, we'll, great, we're grateful we'll to hear that. We'll send you the all 22. <laughs> okay, great. Love it. I'll watch it with my five-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Riley. Uh, former BYU quarterback Riley Nelson. Good stuff. Cougars and, hunt at night. And, and we can quantify the play action and the weirdness there uh, with the negative number this year, which is pretty crazy. Okay, get ready for the Cougars to hunt at night tomorrow at 8 Eastern time. Cougar pregame live on BYU Radio. Shep and Hans and Mitchell and Gregory get you ready for BYU and Cincinnati. Uh, how about a top 10 showdown in Austin for BYU women's volleyball? Okay. On back-to-back -back nights, no less. What would make for a successful showing for the Cougars against Texas? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media, Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Let's roll out your headlines. BYU football's first Big 12 home game is sold out officially against the Cincinnati Bearcats. That's going to be awesome. Pre-game is at 8 Eastern on both BYU TV and BYU Radio. Ninth-ranked BYU women's volleyball in Austin for a huge road test. They play at number 10 Texas tonight in the first of two on back-to-back -back nights. This is the premier showdown in the Big 12 Conference, and both matches are going to happen back-to-back -back nights. Tonight's game on FS1. Can't wait for this. I am very excited. This is uh, destination uh, viewing tonight. Number six women's soccer host Cincinnati tonight. Also a big game, Big 12 Conference matchup at Southfield. 9 Eastern on Big 12 now on ESPN+. Bearcats have struggled to score. They scored eight goals all year. BYU has scored 38. Woof. <laughs> That's unbelievable. All right, some NFL news. Uh, just saw Kyle Van Noy is in his Ravens gear. He's already working out. Kind of cool. He's already getting that, that work He is in. with that defense now. Kyle Van Noy playing for the Baltimore Ravens. Safety Zane Anderson for the Green Bay Packers has been ruled out as he is trying to overcome a hamstring injury. And we wish the best to Zane. Get healthy. Uh, to his credit, he's sticking around. He's on 53-man rosters for a reason. The pride of Stansbury Park. Yes. Men's tennis begins play today at the ITA Mountain Region Championships, hosted by the Air Force. Tournament goes through Monday. Those are today's headlines. Now some opinions in the whip. Cougar Whip Around presented by Marist, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. On Get Up this morning, Dan Orlovsky had this to say about Zach Wilson. Go watch the entire clip on uh, Twitter and the Jets off. We have to stop treating this young man like he's absolutely not talented at all. Okay. They have made him so scared to go play football and go play quarterback and to trust his eyes and his instincts. Everyone's going, he stinks. No, he doesn't. He's scared to throw the ball and scared to make mistakes. They've got to stop handcuffing him and babying him. What do you make of these comments? I can relate to this to a degree. The and babying part? Well, to, to being so afraid to make mistakes yeah. that it makes you You're too exponentially worse. Sure. I have lived this as a sophomore in high school, and I'm not going to throw out old coaches' names, put anybody under the bus, but in my Do scenario, it. It, it became a scenario where I was berated so, so many times for little things that I was so tentative to do anything that I just was, I was a non-factor. So I under, I relate to this, I understand it. It wasn't until I had a coach say, don't worry about that, we believe in you, and he helped reestablish my confidence. This is what Robert Saul is trying to do with Zach Wilson. 
That's what Aaron Rodgers had begun to do. Like it was fun again for Zach. That's why this. Oh, the pressure was off. He didn't have to be. Yes, it sucks that that Aaron Rodgers got hurt because I feel like Zach Wilson would be a totally different quarterback if he had just been able to learn from Aaron all season long. Yeah, when you're the number two pick, though, you get thrown in. That's part of the deal. I mean, I I, I do like what Dan's saying in terms of like, okay, take let him be him. Because Zach's like, well, it's my job to not turn the ball over on the first two downs and then make a play on third down. Well, that's not Zach. We saw Zach be explosive anytime, anywhere kind of thing. Yes, there will be moments of recklessness, but part of that is some explosive plays. Yes. I, with that said, if the Jets actually did that, now Zach has to deliver on first, second down. There will be turnovers, but you need more explosive plays to make up for that. Will the Jets I don't let believe him, they'll do that. Will they let I him? I don't believe it. From the beginning, I've not been big on... Um, that the Jets would, would would help Zach in this regard. But Jack, Zach has to deliver, too. It's both ways. Will Nathaniel Hackett let Zach rip the ball? Let him rip! W- will they even call what a place that he can do what it? What evidence do we have that they trust him to that they degree? They don't. That's not, they, I don't see it happening. Until you, like, tr- they haven't even tried it with him this year. They haven't even tried it. Like what would, I don't believe the, what, they will. What's the worst that could happen? You're a huge underdog to the Chiefs. Let him rip! If, it, if it's terrible, fine. At least you tried, and now you can say didn't work. But they won't even try. No, no. That's they, what's they frustrating. They want to win with defense and minimal offense. <sighs> yeah. All right, what would be a successful showing as we move from football now to the collegiate volleyball showdown of the Big 12 conference season between the Longhorns and Cougars? It is wild. BYU is ranked higher than Texas right now. Um, and the committee said as much over the weekend by one spot. I would absolutely take a split. I don't need BYU to win both. And I would probably take a competitive two matches in a loss because I'm fine if BYU takes second in the Big 12. That would be awesome to me. Texas is really good. They have been vulnerable, though. They lost to unranked Long Beach State early in the year. A couple more losses. I'd take a split, but if they're competitive two nights in four or five and it's tight scores, that'd be fine with me, too. What BYU can't do is get swept. BYU can't get swept in either of these matches. Like, even... Even if they Incredible. split, but they're swept in one of those, I don't, like, I don't like that. Well, if you get a win, who cares on the other one? To <sighs> me, like, if you go in there and you get a sweep, mission accomplished. Sorry, uh, a win in any form. Let's say you get swept, but you win dramatically in, in five in 1917. I don't care. I just don't want – see, to me, one that's one. rough because, like, okay, you won in five, but then you got swept. That means – Therefore what? Oh, no, the defending national champions at home Well, Texas, has, Texas hasn't you. been great this season. Texas has looked They're vulnerable. They're still very good, yeah. So I think, I think very good. hey, go win one of them, but be competitive in both matches is what I'm getting. If you get swept, to me that doesn't Win matter. one, and I don't care what happens in the end. All right. I really don't. Okay. Per, the perfect NIL deal has occurred. Um, the Iowa Pork Producers Association has signed four I, Iowa State Cyclones to an NIL deal. Yes. The names are... Miles Purchase, Tyler Moore, Tommy Hammond, Caleb Bacon. I will now say the last names only. Uh-huh. Purchase, Moore, Hammond, Bacon. <laughs> this is the greatest NIL deal of all time, is it not? What's going to beat this? <laughs> it is the most clever. It is the what? most clever for sure. Like, there's nothing that I've seen in an NIL deal that is more well thought out and clever than that. That's yeah. fantastic. It's amazing. It's the best thing that Iowa State has done on the football team this year. Hey, they won a game. They beat Oklahoma State. This is better than that. <laughs> we already talked about this early in the show, but Penn State's preparing to play Northwestern by practicing in silence. Simon and Garfunkel. Mm-hmm. What's the quietest game you've been to? There have been two. Season opener in 2020 and COVID season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with no crowd. In Annapolis, Maryland. 
It was eerie. And they didn't tackle Spence. It was eerie. And then a home game that same year, UTSA at BYU afternoon game. I was the only person, I was the only person in a 63,000 seat stadium. I walked around the whole stadium. I was like, this is wild. There's a college football game. Like a Michael Crichton book. College football game happening. I'm the only person here. The quietest normal non-COVID season game uh, ever to me was uh, Stanford at at Cal at Stanford. I went to that on a bye week one time in the Bay Area. And I was like, is anybody here? Why is it so quiet? Hello. Is this why they called the library? My gosh. Sorry, it wasn't Stanford Cal. It was Stanford, what was it? UCLA. Oh, Stanford. Josh Rosen. Even worse. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Even worse. It was so bad. Stanford Cal would have been loud. Sorry. Stanford, UCLA. Oh, my Coming up gosh. tonight, Spence on the call on ESPN Plus. Women's soccer taking on Cincinnati. A little, little teaser for the football game. We got oh, a yeah. back-to-back nights with the Bearcats. It starts with women's soccer. Number six, BYU. Heavy favorites in this one, averaging three and a half goals a contest. We'll get a look into Cincinnati with a conversation we had with head coach Scott Satterfield as the Bearcats came into Big 12 media days. You tell us what you think after you hear from Coach Satterfield and if he was right about his team. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. BYU Sports Nation continues live from Studio B on a Thursday on a Friday football game week. So it's game day eve. Yes, it is. We yes, love it, it is. Love it. We'll be in the stadium tomorrow. I'm very excited. I am very excited. All right. Uh, we had the opportunity to talk to basically every head football coach in the Big in, 12 Conference the at Dallas Cowboys of Stadium. Uh, but because there were so many interviews and so many teams, we needed to implement the help of one Jason Shepard. Right? We need Shep. Okay. Shep. Shep's our guy. Plays a we huge role for Shep. us. He was the one that sat in while we were doing a separate interview to talk to Scott Satterfield, Cincinnati's head coach. Now, he obviously gave a preview of what his team he thought was going to look like. So listen to these comments from Scott Satterfield, and we'll discuss, was he right? And how are they different now than maybe what we heard back on Media Day? Well, and we, we talked about all of the newness. Correct me if I'm wrong, two returning starters on offense? Is that accurate? One, One returning starter One. on offense. Boy, you have your <laughs> I work. I wish we had two. <laughs> you have your work. I mean, but that's part. I yeah. mean, not every – you're not going to – we can take over a program. It's not always going to be like that, but sometimes it is, and it just it just means there's more opportunities, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, this day and age, particularly now with the transfer portal, yeah. you know, Coach Fick did a tremendous job, and he's going to Wisconsin. And, you know, the, the wide receiver room, that's the one, uh, one – we had one guy coming back that was on scholarship in yeah. the whole wide receiver room. Um, our one returning starter is the center, uh, you know. So we had to build a whole new team there and on offense and, and to bring in some guys. But but there's some guys that was on the roster before. This is their time. They're yep. ready to rise up. And then we had to bring in some high school players and then also some transfer guys. So um, we're excited about what we're going to put on the field offensively. Um, you know, we're a spread offense. We're going to run the football. And, I mean, very similar to what the way BYU yeah. runs their offense. Very similar scheme. So, um, but, yeah, a lot of new faces, uh, new faces for our fans, um, you know, and, and, yeah, but I think we'll be able to put a good product out there that will be able to move the ball. Talk to me about your quarterback. I had a chance to talk with mm-hmm. him just a few minutes ago. Very impressive. Yeah, Emory Jones. You know, the thing I like about Emory is that, you know, he's been there, done that. I mean, he was at Florida, played at a high level at Florida, coaching change there. He ends up going to Arizona State. Well, they go through another coaching thing, change, and so now – him coming to us, he's like, oh, I just want to be around. This coach is going to be there, you know. <laughs> so, so that that's going to be fun. But, but for me, it's the, the poise. Um, he's a very mature, older guy. 
Um, he can run. He can throw. Um, you know, I, I really like Emory a lot um, as a person as well. Kind of a quiet guy, very humble. Um, you know, but exciting player. And so, yeah, we, you know, we got to distribute the football around with the guys around him, the wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs. And I think he'll be able to do that. What do you want your defense to look like this year? Yeah, I mean, we're, you know, I brought my defense coordinator in from Louisville. Yep. And last year at Louisville, we led the country in sacks and takeaways and uh, with 50 sacks last year. So we want to be an aggressive style defense. We're basing a three down, four linebackers, uh, bringing people from all over the field. Um, but we want it to be aggressive. We want to be good tacklers. We want to be physical. Um, you know, and keep the ball in front, you know, not to give up the big plays, I think. So that, that's going to be the key. And Cincinnati's been known for defense. You know, we've, we've, they've had great defenses in the past. We have, a, we have a, you know, a bulk of our team is back on defense. So that, that's good. Um, you know, so again, in this league, there's a lot of points yeah. scored. you got to be able to play yeah. great defense. Uh, whoa, one returning starter on the entire offense. Yeah. In his words, we had to build a whole new team. Uh, to Cincinnati's credit, Spencer, this is a program that's gone to the college football playoff in the New Year's Six in two of the last, what, four years, three years. They, they, are, they broke the playoff. They are in a great they, – they are what BYU aspired to be, which is an outsider in that space. Uh, now BYU is an insider in a Power Five, and they have more access to said space without having to be perfect or even one loss. Now BYU and Cincinnati meet up. Similar programs in that they've had great success historically. Cincinnati more recently, of course. But an Cincinnati in Ohio, that's a great recruiting base. Uh, you're competing with Ohio State, obviously, for some guys. But, like, they get talent. They have good players. They brought in transfers that matter, notably two guys from Florida, and Emory Jones, former Florida uh, quarterback, Arizona State as well. And then Xavier Henderson, Xavier Henderson, is the stud receiver there. Really explosive. He's the one that really pops – uh, in, in the past game for Cincinnati, really good defensive line. They've had good corners historically. You feel like, hey, maybe there's an advantage there. So I, I'm interested to watch this game. This is a game that BYU needs to win at home if they're going to be one bowl eligible and two, do anything more than that. So take care of business at home. Yet, Cincinnati, better than we thought. Yet, coming off a two-game losing streak. Yeah, what are they Miami on Friday Miami of Ohio played good on defense against Cincinnati, but not offensively with a couple of field goals. So we'll see what we'll see what happens, man. This is an interesting game. BYU at home is tough to beat. they got a really good pass game, no run game. Great point by Riley Nelson earlier about no play action pass effectiveness right now for BYU. Only 5.5 yards to play. Last year was 10.2, mm. just by reference. That's a half. Difference. That's half. That's bad. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, the Cincinnati team – uh, again, to their credit, and Coach Satterfield, and I like his personality. I think he's a great personality. Yeah. The, they've got to come on the road on a two-game losing streak. Short week. So people are like, oh, country. they just held yeah. Oklahoma to 20. They had all the emotion in their stadium. They were it was, amped for it was, Oklahoma. It was incredible they had, they had big energy, noon, right? Big noon game yes. and everything on Fox. It's a much different scenario they're walking into. Okay, yeah. They're not going to be lifted by their crowd. They are riding a two-game losing streak. It is a short week. And BYU, in contrast, will have that natural energy as they play their Big 12 home opener in front of a sellout crowd on conference weekend. And no Cincinnati fan has they any idea get, what we're talking about when we say conference weekend. They don't get the juice that there comes something from to within that. the shadows of the everlasting hills. May peace be with you this day and always, Spence. Hopefully BYU brings the juice, and we, we're going to bring it tomorrow with this show from the stadium. 
Let's I go. cannot wait. Game Gonna day be, shows in the There's no way BYU loses this game tomorrow. I am back on that. Back am, on it. I never left, actually. I am good to go. <laughs> the Cougar Tailgate Podcast. New episode drops today. Lauren McClain and friends get you ready for a Friday night fight against the Bearcats. Uh, I don't even really know what a Bearcat is. Download Cougar Tailgate wherever you get your podcast. When I see it, I know what it is. But I, is it a bear or a cat? It's a liger. Like what, like what is it? It's a liger, but what a bear it? cat. <laughs> a liger, thanks to Napoleon. <laughs> Can't afford the fun fact. It's a combo. How would a win or loss against Cincinnati change your perception of BYU football moving forward? Mm. Four and one feels a lot different than three and two. This is BYU Sports Nation. Would BYU be ranked in four and one? BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Yo, this program, BYU Sports Nation, is the name of the show. Uh, download the free BYU TV and BYU Radio apps because it's on demand. You can also listen to the podcast. We'd love it if you subscribed, rated, and reviewed it. Yes, we would love that. Our question of the day. We'd also love for you to answer this if you haven't already. How would a win or a loss on Friday night for BYU football against Cincinnati change your perception of Cougar football going forward. Travis Campbell on X says, a win would mean a huge sigh of relief. A loss would mean a lot of questions going into the bye week. Yeah. <laughs> and then you and I take some days off next week. Because <laughs> bye week. Steven on X says, the conference slate is still young. A yeah. loss would be a setback, but there's still seven conference games that will deserve BYU's attention. And it will get BYU's attention but the road to do something prominent in year one of the Big 12 takes a significant hit if BYU loses this game. This is the second most winnable game in the Big 12, in my opinion. If BYU third, starts maybe third, 0-2 in conference, of the nine. losing to Kansas and Cincinnati, because we all felt like, okay, at worst, BYU's going to get one of these two. If BYU does not get either of these two, four and five feels like the best-case scenario in conference at that point. I'm thinking three and Prince. six in that at that point. But, like, you, can they do it? Yes. But what are you doing based on what you've done? It's hard to think that you'd get four and five there. That's, did, we get, yeah. did we get the picture loaded, by the way, of Spence? Me, oh. the, okay, the, someone the, tweeted at BYU events. Staff one. LES, one fan in the stands tonight. This is in 2020. Spencer Linton representing the other 53. It's just you in the stands. <laughs> it's, it's the weirdest thing. Oh, it, it, it was like a sci-fi movie. Like, what is happening here? Our elite voice of the day, presented by PAX, Healthcare Elevated, from Bryson Danny on Instagram, says, a win would make me feel like a seven or eight win season is still on the table. Mm -hmm. yeah. A loss makes me just yeah. hope for a six win season in the bowl game, which is exactly the point we made initially yeah. when this topic first came up. Today's rising shout-out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Women's volleyball, go get it done in Texas. Let's go tonight on FS1. Hey, win the first, take the pressure off, right? Win Do the it. first one. Our thanks to today's guest, Riley Nelson. Sorry, Dennis, we ran out of time. For Jeremiah and Spencer, shout out to former BYU gymnastics stand-up Natalie Brookman. We'll see you tomorrow from the stadium. Live BYUSN. Go Cougs.